All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good day. Let's talk a little about uh, the uh, case numbers of COVID in British Columbia going down, right? That's a good thing. Yeah, so it's a good news, bad news thing. We got modeling on Friday from Dr. Brian Henry and public health officials showing that we may have peaked with yeah. Omicron. Uh, the number We're down about 1,000 a day on a seven-day rolling average in the space of a week. Mm. That's the good news. Positivity rate is coming down. We were at 25%. Uh, test coming back positive. Now I think it's down to 22% on a seven-day rolling average. But on one day, day-to-day, it was like 18%. So that's all encouraging. But the mo- modeling also showed that hospitalizations are expected to increase. And we're seeing that in other provinces as well. How do you interpret that? So if case numbers overall dropping, but hospitalizations going up, yeah, what does that mean? Not entirely sure. What, well, there's a lag effect with hospitalizations. So it's usually yeah. a seven to 10-day lag between cases um emerging and then those people being in the hospital. Omicron is a shorter um, infection period. It's only three days versus, uh, and it's a three-day stay in hospital versus a six-day on average stay in hospital with Delta. We're also changing the way we count people in hospital uh, with COVID-19. Before, it wasn't uniform across the system that if you, you came to a hospital with a broken arm, for example, an emergency ward, and you had to have that set and casted or whatever, and you tested positive for COVID-19, you weren't necessarily classified as a COVID patient. You were classified as an emergency room broken arm patient. That's now changing to every single person in a hospital who tests positive for COVID-19 is classified as a COVID-19 patient, which is why our cases exploded on Friday to, from a little more than 500 to 646 and that number will likely increase. In hospital. In hospital. Yeah. Who have tested positive for COVID-19. Right. Doesn't mean they went there because they were so sick with COVID-19 that they had to go to hospital. They just happened to be there to get uh, other medical treatment. And they tested positive as a as a, a, a basically a health protocol that exists in, in BC hospitals. What, right was your, what was your read on, on Bonnie Henry at that news conference last week? Because like you mentioned that there is some cause for hope optimism mm-hmm. that maybe this is the darkest day before the dawn here if mm-hmm. it starts to get better yeah no I, my read is that uh, there's more optimism than pe- pessimism right now that yeah. if, if the cases have peaked and the people in hospital are uh, again our ICU numbers are not going up in any yeah. dramatic fashion unlike what we're seeing in Ontario which is you know approaching 600 people in ICU they were below 200 just a month ago we're not seeing that in BC we're not seeing the ICU case, which is the most severe form of illness. Those are people on ventilators uh, or being intubated for the most part. And we're just not seeing that. And in fact, if the ICU numbers continue to be stable like this, then there is a, a reason to hope. And, and again, Dr. Henry and other public health officials point to more daylight hours and sunshine literally playing a factor here, a positive factor, because people will not gather indoors in, in as great number as we do in the in the darkest days of winter. And as the spring emerges, I think there's reason to be op- more optimistic than pessimistic. But the hospitalization is supposed to peak at the end of this week, beginning of next week. And if, if it does peak and starts to go down, that's, that's reason for good news. Okay, we have those health orders in place right now that were put in as the Omicron wave mm. peaked here in British Columbia, and those are set to expire tomorrow, right? So these are the health orders that shut things, some things down, including gyms right and a lot of people were unhappy about gyms being shut down Mm -hmm. saying you know it's bad for people's mental health if they can't even go to the gym that is set to expire tomorrow but potential for her to extend it right now let me play the short clip for you then get your thoughts here is a report from global news on gyms being shut down 
New measures have forced the closure of fitness centers once again, leaving owners and gym goers frustrated. Incredibly disappointing. Uh, we thought, you know, with following all of the mandates up until this point with the masking and everybody being double vaccinated while in here, that it was a safe environment to be in. If your New Year's resolution includes going to the gym, you will have to wait till at least January 18th. Okay, so that report from Global News there. So tomorrow is January 18th. The order set to expire. Do you anticipate she will extend it? Tomorrow? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't really have a strong handle on that. Um, gyms in the past have been sources of significant outbreaks. We go back. I did a story back in early summer. The number of gyms that were and fitness centers closed in Fraser Health was quite extraordinary because there were just so many outbreaks associated with that particular activity. Yeah. Now, since then, many more people have been vaccinated than than back then. But again, vaccinated people uh, are testing positive for COVID nineteen. So, if if the science is there that it's still a strong transmission area, then I think the order will be extended. But you got to weigh the the dropping case counts, the dropping positivity rate versus the rising hospitalization. So, what does how do gyms fit into that? So I'm you not think, entirely sure. So you think there's a chance that she could she could uh, lift the order tomorrow? Because I, I think most people were thinking like, oh, this will be extended for sure. But who knows? I mean, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Honestly, yeah. I, it's an interesting call. When you've got this um, this sort of contradictory s- situation where ri- dropping case numbers yeah. but rising hospitalizations, yeah. how do gyms fit into that? Particularly when gyms are seen, despite what gym owners say, the evidence has been there. Again, uh, go back a few months ago, the number of gyms and fitness centers that had outbreaks far outweighed pretty well any other sector out there in terms of outbreaks. I imagine one of the things that Bonnie Henry is weighing here, and we've talked about this before, about how the calculus has always been, okay, we want to keep people safe, we want to prevent transmission of the disease, prevent, prevent death and illness, preserve our hospital system, but we don't want to, we want to have as normal a life as possible. So, you know, does she... I think she takes that seriously, and I, I, yep. so I, you know. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and especially when it comes to gymnasiums and fitness centers that are helpful for people in their mental health and getting through this. Yeah, so the argument to open gyms is just as, exactly as you say. She does put a premium on me- protecting mental health, right, uh, and on sports. You know, we've never tried to shut down sports. We tried to allow as much sporting activity as uh, to happen as possible. Not you know multi-team tournaments, but just physical activity has been a a priority. So, you know, perhaps she does open the gyms tomorrow. We'll see. Okay, that decision coming tomorrow, that will be key. Uh, We talked earlier on the show about Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, and the Partygate scandal that has engulfed him. Yes. Spoke to Laura Hood, reporter on the ground in London. She was great. uh, Talking about the backlash that Boris Johnson is facing in the United Kingdom. Let's have a listen to this, Keith, and I'll get your thoughts here. So here is the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, here, apologizing for Partygate. Have a listen. With hindsight, I should have sent everyone back inside. I should have found some other way to thank them. And I should have recognised that even if it could be said technically to fall within the guidance, there would be millions and millions of people who simply would not see it that way. Okay, so I guess he keeps saying like all oh, these parties, these were like working parties. We didn't break the COVID rules. And I'm not sure a lot of British people are buying that. So Johnson's got a couple problems. One, the classic political leader problem is not facing a crisis uh, bestowed on you by your opponents. It's your own friends. And so his big problem is internally. If the, yeah. if the conservatives turn on him, 
Uh, he's in a serious crisis. Only needs, as Laura pointed out in your interview, I think you need 52 letters uh, within the caucus uh, to say non-confidence, which would trigger a leadership voter review. So his problem is not the Labour Party. Is there that many, though, willing to turn against him? So far, not. But who knows no. when this report comes well, out? Well, this report. Now, the report comes out potentially later this week or, or next week into these parties. And Johnson has kept saying, don't rush to judgment. Mm-hmm. Wait for this report to come out. And if that report goes against him, it could be devastating. Yeah, if it, if it does trigger enough of an internal revolt, then he's yeah. in, a, in a serious crisis. And again, it's not the Labour Party that's his problem, it's the Conservative Party. Sure, and some Conservative MPs are already turning against him. I mean, there have a been handful. some Conservative, small number, but some of them speaking out, saying, yeah. like, you know, this guy's got to go. A handful, but as we've seen in our experience covering this place, Mike, uh, a handful can turn into a tsunami of uh, your own caucus very quickly. Johnson's an interesting political character, to say the least. I mean, he plays this kind of buffoonish sort of character that seems to have, seems to have worked well for him in a lot of ways. There, when he, You mentioned we were talking off air about, remember when he came down with COVID? Yeah. And there was a lot of sympathy for yeah. him. Yeah, no, his, his approval ratings went up. Uh, there, was, uh, there was sympathy for him. Uh, since then, it's a various... One of the problems I think he's had, and I... I, I you know, follow the Guardian, the Times uh, pretty well every day, is his lack of a coherent policy structure. He doesn't mm. seem to have a, a core policy system. It, it lurches from crisis to crisis, from controversy to controversy without any core, um, it, you know, co- cohesive strategy going forward. And that leaves him vulnerable, particularly to critics within his own party. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll open the phone lines. Phone me on that if you want, if you're following the situation with uh, party gate, as it's been called in the United Kingdom. Lots of pressure on Boris Johnson now to step down, some even in his own Conservative Party turning against him. Small number right now. Could it grow? If you want to weigh in on that with your thoughts on it, give me a call. 604 604- Two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. We also talked about the health orders set to expire tomorrow. Gyms, fitness centers still shut down. Should they be reopened? Call me on that too. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number. Star ninety eight ninety eight. Toll free on your cell. It's Baldry's beat. This is Mike Smith. Back with your calls. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Barbara in Cloverdale. Hi. Hi, good morning. Hi. I had actually a, a second question, but only if we had time, um, and it was a mini one. Um, with respect to how they're reporting numbers in hospitals, are the patients that are showing up, say, at emergency um, for non-COVID-related um, incidents, whether, you know, it's a broken bone or, or like my husband on Thursday night um, and the lovely Jody Bat think, get him to the hospital now. Um, heart with uh, chest pain, are they not testing people walking through the doors for COVID? Or is it just, how are they deciding? Because they didn't, they didn't test him. They asked him huh. if he was, what his vaccination status was. So how are they determining how mm-hmm. that, Like who gets day, tested. Right? Yeah, okay, thanks for the call. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we're trying to find the answer to that. Uh, as of Friday, it seems that if there's significant medical intervention, there's testing. But emergency wards seem to be a bit of an anomaly when it, com- when it comes to that. It doesn't seem to be that consistent. But we're trying to find that information. That is, is a good, it is a good question. We've moved away from what was called epidemiological surveillance system 
to what's called a uh, patient bed census data collection, which is mm. every every patient who's in a bed gets tested yeah. um, for COVID-19. And that's why your husband may not have qualified for that because he wasn't in a bed. Okay, Barbara, do you, you have another question, did you say? You still there? Really, really quick, yeah. really, really quick question. Um, who is the Keith Balfrey in Ontario? My um, 25-year-old daughter now is is eligible for her booster. Um, oh. But she's in Ontario and can't find Pfizer. Now what? <laughs> well, uh, then t she should be able to find Moderna. So Moderna and Pfizer are inter are considered to be interchangeable. Uh, and they have moved to an earlier booster uh, dose system in Ontario. We've got a six-month interval between second and third dose. They've got a three-month interval. So yeah. your 25-year-old uh, person here should be able to get, after three months of the second dose, should be able to find access to uh, Moderna and or uh, Pfizer. But Moderna right now is sort of the, the, the workhorse yeah. of the vaccination system. We've got more Moderna, by and large, than Pfizer. Barbara, I hope that works out for her. Thanks for the call. Chris in North Van. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. This whole thing with Boris is really its weakness in his own leadership. He has so allowed people to kind of get away with stuff. Does this look like it's a party? Does it not? In reality, you said, what does, the, what does the general public think about this? It looks bad. We need to stop this. But no, he's kind of weaseling around, and now he's going to be paying the price because the public says, this looks bad, Boris. You are the man at the top. You have to take responsibility for your leadership. It's awful. It's okay. time to go. Yeah. Well, he certainly doesn't come across as from a position of strength. He is reacting uh, to something rather than sort of setting the, the terms himself. Uh, and he's sort of now pinning everything on this report. He's saying, just yeah. wait till the report comes out. Not many political leaders t um, who survive take that strategy to say, I'm going to put everything on a report. Bill Vanderzam, if you recall, put everything on Ted Hughes's report. Yes. He thought that was going to clear him. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, into the Fantasy Gardens. That uh, was the sale. Fantasy Gardens yeah. uh, in uh, 1990, and right. that, uh, that was his uh, sort of. And of course, he, and of course, Hughes skewered him in oh, his yeah. report. Yeah, yeah so that was be, it. Be careful what you wish for when you we've got an external report on your behavior. Right. Yeah, that report could be key for sure. Let's go to Marie in North Van. Hi. Hi there. I just want to know how safe are hairdressers. Uh safe as far still as open uh, still open there's not a it's not a source of uh, uh transmission in terms of outbreaks we don't see a lot of that associated with the personal services industry you know when i go get my haircut everybody's got a mask on yeah. uh there's pretty good significant uh cleaning protocols in place and i think most places are like that as well i think a lot of these businesses especially ones like a uh, hairdress hair salons barbershops you know they knew they knew that if they didn't strictly follow these rules they could be looking at a shutdown. So the barbershop that I go to, man, everyone's socially distanced, wait outside, yep. put hand sanitizer before you come in, everybody's fully masked up. They've it looks like they've a yep. lot of them follow the rules. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh Barb in West Van. Barb, you got to real quick, okay? You got thirty seconds. Oh, go okay. ahead. Okay. Um today would have been uh Betty White's hundredth uh, birthday. Oh and it's the Betty White challenge which was uh taken from uh Gordon McDonald's and so by Thunder. And um she, she had her last dog was um, a golden retriever called Pontiac that she was very fond of, and she adopted after he trained unsuccessfully as a guide dog, and okay. he died in 2017. Okay, and thank you. Th and she had a crush on Robert Redford, and it said in people that he had a crush on her too. Thank, thank you for the call. Well, well she was great. Betty White was great. Uh, great sport. Uh, she's obviously missed.